1: Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist and director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium. The subject this week Spaceward Bound or Not? And my co host this week is Chuck Nice. Welcome back. And I also have with me in studio Mike Massimino. Name like that, you have to have been destined for something great. He's a NASA astronaut, veteran of two space shuttle missions, STS-109. That's how they designate these things. STS. STS. I think that stands for Space Transportation System. Can you get less romantic than that? Yeah, it- um, you're
2: going to frickin' space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you would think you would come up with something better than Space Some Transportation uh, 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 system. system.
1: STS-109, that, that was on board Columbia, which we would later lose a couple of years later. That's correct a couple of years after that, and STS-125 Atlantis in 2009. Both of those, this is one of the many reasons why Mike Massimino is my man, both of those missions serviced the Hubble Space Telescope. Sweet. Including the final mission repair for the scope Sweet. that will take it the next five or ten years into the future. Not only that, STS-109 set a record for spacewalk time. In the old days, there was spacewalk just to check it out. Mm-hmm. Now they're spacewalking because they got a mission. They, they're repairing and servicing the Hubble telescope. And he checked in 35 hours and 55 minutes across five spacewalks. Nice. And so this is awesome. And so let me just bring him in to the house. Mike Massimino, welcome to
3: Star Talk Radio. Mike Massimino, astronaut and homeowner, (laughs) (laughs) which helps when you're trying to fix stuff in space if you've had to fix stuff at home. Now,
2: how does that work for you with the wife? It's like, so... You can fix the Hubble, but the faucet is still leaking, I see.
3: I hear it all the time or when someone asks me, oh, you must be good at fixing things at home. I have to turn and see if my wife is there before I answer. <laughs> and, I,
1: and I was in Houston a few months ago, and we're like, he's giving me a ride to the bar, and I get in the minivan. I'm thinking, Mike, you fly a space shuttle, and at home you drive a minivan?
3: Yeah, that's 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 what I've uh, been relegated to. Is this
1: what has become of the astronaut corps? Well,
3: all. there are a few guys that have held on to Corvettes, but they're not probably as happy as at home as I am with the minivan. Absolutely. So you got to get your priorities straight. You and the just minivan keep is telling fine. yourself that, Mike.
2: <laughs> what are you driving, Chuck? What are you driving? I'm, I'm driving a Ford Explorer. Something Worse right.
1: off than you.
3: Nah, it's nah. a little, little sportier than a minivan. At least it's a think. gas guzzler. Come yeah, on, at just right. that going <laughs> for it. True. True. So, Mike, yeah. you,
1: you were astronaut of the future because you became the first tweeting astronaut. I did, yeah. And that was for STS-125. Right. And NASA made a big uh, publicity uh, bit out of and you ended up with 1.3 million Twitter followers.
3: Yeah, a lot of a lot of people uh, were interested in what we were doing. The best thing about it, though was that it finally got my kids excited about space. Nice. About what I was doing. Because they were watching, following you on Twitter. Not at all. Because. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't good enough that
1: they, they launched you into orbit.
3: They made, No, they didn't care about that. You know, <laughs> okay. my, my son, we had to bribe him to come to the launch because it was the eighth grade dance was the same weekend. Oh, wow. But oh. what happened was with the Twitter is they made fun of it on Saturday Night Live while I was in space. The oh, weekend nice. update, they, they made fun of what I Twittered. Oh. And, That's great. And it got, but they didn't care. They were making fun of me. and mispronounced my name. It didn't matter. We got mentioned on the show. It was a big. So they finally got excited about so finally what Dad I was, doing. was Dad was cool. For just br- it was only a brief moment. It didn't last very long. But okay. there was a few minutes there where they were excited.
2: I'm fascinated by the fact that you were able to tweet from. Who is your carrier? <laughs> that's, I don't. I don't know. It's, it's,
3: we're a government operation. We're not supposed to endorse any carrier. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Because that's a commercial that I would give yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not allowed to say.
1: I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> okay. After. Yeah. And
3: then I'll whisper to you after
1: when he yeah. goes. So listen, so Mike, you've been at the space shuttle program a while. As we know, it has ended. The space shuttle program has ended, but. Let's let's reflect on it. The space shuttle was designed to carry cargo, essentially. Isn't that right? Yes, cargo and people. (laughs) You got the payload bay, right? And out of that, out of that came satellites. You'd retrieve satellites. You'd fix satellites. Mm -hmm. You became an all-around space doctor for hardware, essentially. That's that's it.
3: That's a good description of it.
1: And so, space shuttle dates back to 1981, if I remember correctly.
3: 81 was the first
1: flight. We were all quite excited because the uh, the the craft was reusable, and that was at a time right. when reusability right. was a big thing. And the very first space shuttle was Enterprise. It didn't go into orbit,
3: but it, it you, you gave the aerodynamic test on a landing. That's right. It was the very first one, and it's coming here. It's coming
2: here
1: to New
3: York City. Right. Now, is the
2: Enterprise the one that they piggybacked on the back of a giant
3: jet? Is that? They put it on the top of a 747, 747 47, 47, yeah. and released it. And they used that 747. It's called the Shuttle uh, Carrier Aircraft. Okay, just to give you another acronym. A, a shuttle carrier It's a space transportation rolls, system. Rolls, rolls off rolls the top, Right, <laughs> right yeah. So and they, they use it to transport, like when we had uh, shuttles landing in uh, Edwards Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. It has to get back to Florida for a launch. They oh, put it on top of that same airplane.
1: That's in case it's 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 snowing in Florida. Right, Something bad is right, happening in Florida.
3: Yeah, you know, bad weather or whatever <clears throat> reason you got to go somewhere. So that's how they transport. Or if, when it was getting refurbished, they put it on that, that same aircraft, the 747. And so when they did these drop tests, that's what they did. They put the uh, Enterprise on top of the 747, they released it, and it came down and landed.
1: It'd be wow. fun to just be sitting in the cockpit while you're getting a free ride on the 747, eating a sandwich, and just enjoying the view.
3: Yeah, that would be all right. You know, just
1: would yeah, be just kind of cool. Yeah, that's right? not yeah. bad at all. I, I, I would think. Yeah. So, so, Mike, what are some of your most memorable moments? Because obviously... For all of us, there's the Challenger disaster and the Columbia disaster. And these yeah. are tragic moments in the history of our space right. program. But aside from those tragedies, yeah. which we all remember, are there other sort of fun things you can just share with us? Yeah, the
3: uh, for me being in space, mm-hmm. uh, the, the most memorable thing. Well, was I got to ask, did you yeah, barf, did you barf first time you went up? Yeah, well, no, no. How many people listen to this show? I, I don't want everyone to know, but yes, I did. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> he did you keep did. it quiet. Okay. Did you really? I did on my first. On my first trip, I did. My second trip, I didn't. But my first trip to space, I did.
2: Now, does that uh, kind of mess up your visor?
3: Yeah, no, There's a couple happened? rules. You want it, never <laughs> want to. You never want to throw up into your helmet. Right. Rule Or on, yeah, on your clothes. So uh, what I did is I had an emesis bag, which is a fancy way for saying barf bag. Uh, I had that right handy. Mm-hmm. I had one in my shoulder pocket, and I actually had one right on my knee board because I was a lot of this happens to a lot of astronauts, right? And it didn't happen right away. It happened toward the end of our day, right before uh, going to bed. I was I had stomach awareness the whole time. I like that stomach, stomach awareness. awareness. <laughs> I, mean, I felt right. like barfing the whole time, <laughs> but I kept, but I didn't have anything to eat. The stomach mm-hmm.
1: reminds you that it's there. It right. reminds you of stomach yeah. awareness. I have stomach awareness I knew it was too. There. But I'm not
3: really? naked in not, front of a mirror. Re- not now, I hope. <laughs> yeah, so. We, That's good. Okay. Where were we? So So anyway, at the end of the day, I ended up having to heave. Okay, right, that's what happened to me. So that
1: is not the measure of who's the right stuff, because everybody. Uh, hopefully not. It
3: happens to just just most people. I wouldn't say everybody, but most. I went astronauts. into a centrifuge and I and I barfed up my lunch, so I knew, I, knew I was. I've never adequate. thrown up in a centrifuge. That's pretty sissy. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about in a spaceship, okay? Not a, a real thing. Not on a. I mean, a centrifuge. You know. Okay, okay, Mike, no, I, I, you understand? I it's very similar. I was just the adequate stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah,
1: fine. Yeah. So, Mike, you know, I, when the <laughs> the space shuttle one thirty five, SCS one thirty five, the last mission, yeah. they came through new york and i nabbed right. them when they visited the american museum of natural history for on their tour yeah and i nabbed them is, into my office is, and i got Is th- anything missing no you're finding but I, I i got some some time with them for yeah. star talk radio let's join my interview okay. well i just got them to introduce themselves and we learn about the very last astronauts in the space shuttle program
4: Sandra
1: magnus
5: mission specialist one
1: uh, chris ferguson commander
5: rex Wilheim mission specialist two doug hurley pilot
1: mission specialist That sounds like a euphemism for something. What is mission specialist?
4: Jack of all trades is what mission specialist means. But We do pretty much everything but the flying. The commander and the pilot focus on the dynamic parts of flight, and we are the ones that do a lot of the robotics and spacewalks and science and things like
1: that. So you guys do the cool stuff, as far as I'm concerned, as an academic.
4: Well, we think we do the cool stuff, but, of course, the pilots think they do the cool stuff, so it's a win-win situation.
6: (laughs) So you're a pilot. Uh, That's correct. Okay, what does a pilot do? In the case of a space shuttle mission, you usually are the person backing up the commander, keeping him out of trouble, ideally. Pilot also gets to fly the undock and fly around from space station after we've completed the dock mission, so there's a lot to do. There's only four of you
1: on this mission, and usually there's
7: seven, six or seven. Yeah, so I was relegated to the same level of grunt work as everybody else, which was fine. I mean, it was it was good. Okay, who has to scrub the toilets?
1: The <laughs> oh, oh, someone, I said that jokingly, actually. In the
7: <laughs> no,
6: that apparently has been a tradition since the early days of the space shuttle. Where the pilot scrubs the toilets. The pilot is responsible for the space toilet, yes, and it's... Successful operation. Luckily we had no issues, so I was happy about that. And I also give feedback on people's cleanliness habits and if there's any ways that they can improve their performance. Because that could be embarrassing if you go public with that, you
1: know. You know, people, their time in the bathroom is very private, but here it's not apparently. It's
6: not quite as private as you'd like it to be.
1: There they go. STS-135. Did you mm-hmm. know these guys?
6: Oh, yeah. I know them all very well. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's the Astronaut Corps. You guys are a club. Yeah, and the, Sandy and Rex and I were all in the same astronaut class. Oh, my gosh. Same, you know, we started uh, our oh. astronaut studies together. Okay.
1: Wh- who was the class clown? Because I know Chuck must have been the class clown in his in his schooling. How about yeah, you? Were you? Oh, definitely. Why? Well, I, I gotta say
3: that's true. <laughs> well, a- astronauts, you know, it's it, probably pretty easy for you to be the class clown amongst a group of astronauts. You, know, <laughs> you tend to be a little dry, you know. So, Mike, what, but, jobs, what jobs
1: did you have in space?
3: Um, I was cla- I was the clown of the uh, of the mission. You actually were. Mm-hmm. I was. We had some funny guys, but uh, I on uh, my my major job on both of my flights was to spacewalk. So I was a spacewalker on both STS-109 and. Is that hard
1: to do, That's or huge. you trained and you're and you're good yeah. at? It.
3: No, it really is an acquired skill. You really have to learn how to work in the suit because uh, the suit's kind of big and bulky, and right. you got to learn how to get around in that suit and work with the tools and learn your uh, learn how to work with your teammate and the whole crew and all the folks on the ground. So it takes a lot of practice. All right, let's get emotional here. It's one thing to have to have a hammer in your hand and yeah. a screwdriver, but you're floating over yeah. Earth, man. It's, it's an earth. It's amazing.
1: Earth. How did, what did that feel like?
3: Well, uh, you know, the, the, the best way to describe it as far as, uh, what you, what you see is what gets you, you know? And, uh-huh. and, uh, there's no words to describe how beautiful it is. So I can just tell you what I was thinking. And it was on my second spacewalk when I really got a chance. So the first spacewalk, I was worried about screwing up. Okay. And I didn't want to lose anything. Right. Mm-hmm. My second spacewalk, I had a little extra time. And it was this one moment where I knew I was going to have a few minutes to look. And I was in a foot restraint, which means I was stable. It was a day pass. And I really just just tried to enjoy it. And when I looked, the, f- the first time I, I turned my head, I couldn't even bear to look at it. That's how beautiful the earth was to me. And the thought that went through my mind was, God did not intend us to see this. And I'm not even necessarily coming from a religious standpoint. Just just went through my head was, people aren't supposed to see this. And I turned my head. A, but I- a, it's, a hu- it's a point of view, a
1: vista uh, Beyond that of the human mind.
3: That's right. And that's what I felt like. You're not supposed to see this. This is, this is not what I'm, I'm, a, but I quickly got over that. Mm. Did you get all weepy on me here? I did, did you? The second time I oh, looked, my gosh. I just couldn't believe what I, I really soaked it in and I started to get a little teary eyed. And Neil, at that time, we were very concerned about liquid getting loose in the suit. We had a, uh, a problem with one of our drink bags uh-huh. and it could create problems. It could, you know, maybe short something out. It could actually was hitting the visor and we have an anti fog that I was reacting with and can cause eye irritation. And I was really worried about this when I started to tear up because it says, oh my goodness, if I get, you know, check like if I get, uh, if you know, if I, yeah, your tears. If will... I get tears in there, and then I, oh, they'll this, know it. Well, they're going to have to. Ask, I'm going to have. There's going to be an investigation. I'm going to say I was crying during my oh. spacewalk. No, yeah. no, no, no. Can you imagine <laughs> Can you imagine listen, all listen, the listen, marine is, pilots should...
2: making in front of me with that? I would have told them I peed myself. Right, <laughs> that would have <laughs> been probably better. That would
3: have been, hey, guys, but I wasn't that clever yeah. to think that at the time. I should have. Uh, I should
2: have used the potty before I did the spacewalk. I was, <laughs> sorry,
3: I was worried. But <laughs> the third time I, oh, sorry. Yeah, well, go on, go on. I was going to say, but the third time I looked, the third time I looked. I, I thought to my, the, the thought went through my head was this if, must be the, 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 the view from heaven if you're in heaven this is what you would see but it was replaced Neil by a thought right after that which was no no it's more beautiful than that
1: Mike hang on to that thought we've got to take a quick break but we'll be back in
3: a few minutes
1: Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Our subject today is the space shuttle, its legacy, its astronauts. Joining me this week, of course, is Chuck Nice. Chuck, hey, always good to have you. Always good to be here. And I've got my friend and colleague Mike Massimino, shuttle astronaut. Mike, welcome to Star Talk Radio. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having a
3: great time here.
1: Thanks. Listen, before the break, you were talking, you were getting all, all misty eyed on us about what Earth looked like yeah. from above. First, you said. This must be the view from heaven. And then you changed your thought on a next spacewalk and said, "No,
3: what I'm looking at must be heaven." Yeah, I felt like uh, this is what heaven must look like. This is
1: mm-hmm. this is uh-huh. this is deep and you got all misty-eyed and everything. I, did. I almost
3: Man, cried in here. Well,
1: listen, does let me ask you. Does should everyone have that view?
3: I that's that's another thing that goes through your mind is you mm-hmm. wish Neil, I wish you could have been there with me. Chuck, I wish you could have been there. I wish my family could have been there. Are we sending the well. wrong
1: people there? Should we be sending poets? Should we be
3: sending? Well, since they sent me, they can send to whoever they want. So I'm concerned now. <laughs> yeah, like now I'm, i I, <laughs> I got I my think, view. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, fill them up whatever you want to send up there. I think, uh, at some point, uh, it would, I, I think we're going to get there. You know, I think, okay. but at first, I, we may still be in the stage where we're sending, uh, scientists, engineers, pilots, people that have, uh, you know, more of a scientific purpose Or a utilitarian right. purpose and actually me, you know let's let think about that again what i just said because it didn't feel right coming out of my mouth yeah i think we should be sending poets i think you should send people that can describe it because we're like the representatives of uh, of the planet to go up there and you know we're not necessarily the most uh Poetic so, people.
1: So people in touch with the expression of emotion.
3: I think that that would be good people to send. Something up there. astronauts yeah. bring it
1: back. do not have a tradition of being.
3: No, right. We can take pictures and, in, uh, in movies of it, but, yeah. you know, explaining what it's like, you know, we can do the best it's, we yeah, can, but, yeah. but. I think uh, we should
2: send Kim Kardashian.
3: You think so? <laughs> and leave her. Right. Man,
2: joking. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> so,
1: so Mike, in space, you've been, you've been up twice, and you're up there a long time. And you're you're in orbit, moving fast. 17, oh yeah. seventeen thousand. It's
3: quick, man. Coast to coast in eleven minutes. In eleven I minutes. I timed it with this watch right here.
1: You timed it. Yeah. Okay, so space is, is can't be always comfortable. It's certainly hazardous. Not only the launch, and not only the landing, but y- your body is facing risks of death from suffocation, from lost pressure, from radiation, too hot, too cold. And so, were you afraid of all this? Are you? Well, now I am. I'm glad i (laughs) to speaking before my
2: flight. I was about to say, I I just, my goodness, you just, you just sealed it for me. Yeah, we can send poets. Don't send (laughs) comics. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it was like that.
1: So, when the last shuttle crew came through the Hayden Planetarium, I asked them about the health consequences of being in space. Let's check out what they said.
5: Don't you get taller when you're in space? Yeah, you do. You get about an inch, an inch and a half taller. And,
6: Did uh, you guys actually? An inch?
5: Yeah, yeah, you sure do.
6: You don't, so now you can go on the rides and Disney <laughs> <that's right. World. laughs> Exactly. I can play NBA basketball. That was always my dream, you know.
1: <laughs> so how quickly does it take to lose
6: your height?
4: It's very fast. You squish down pretty quickly. As soon as gravity hits you, you stand up. Psh! Gravity's pretty a pervasive force. Yeah, I mean, you,
6: uh, during entry, I mean, you can watch the G meter as we get .1, .2 Gs. And... It's at least on both of my flights. It seemed like the commander and the pilot were always adjusting our seat, you know, bringing it up higher because you were getting compressed. So you had to kind of always raise your seat the whole way in, and uh, and then I think by the time you get one point five, one point six gs is usually what you experience with a shuttle entry. Uh, you're kind of back to your normal height again. So that lasted twelve days. That's funny. I'm imagining you know, while you guys are just coming out of orbit, I see all of your heads
1: through the front window. And yeah. as you get lower and lower, you, like... Yeah.
6: yeah, so you end up
5: raising
1: your head. <laughs> Yeah, and now you just see, like, your eyebrows right. at the top.
5: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But we actually have to size our spacesuits. We're doing spacewalks to make it about an inch of spinal growth. So they actually are taller than uh, when you use them on Earth here.
1: So are they different spacesuits for your spacewalk than whatever else you'd have a spacesuit for? Yes.
5: We wear our launch and entry suits, the orange suit you see us on. That's what we uh, we launch, and when we go out and do a spacewalk, we wear a complete pressure suit that can handle going outside for six or seven hours.
1: So that's weird to grow in space while your bone mass is dropping.
7: Um, yeah, and I'll tell you, the growing and the shrinking doesn't come without a price for some of us. It's kind of a painful process, you know, trying to get to sleep at night. When you come back, some folks' backs will hurt for a little while.
2: So, Mike,
1: you're a big guy. Did you, how much, did you shrink when you were in space?
3: No, um. You're like 6'2", 6'3", what are you? I am about 6'3", uh-huh. but as I'm getting older, I think I'm, you know, I'm starting to shrink. you are feeling it. Uh, I, you did, I grew just like, uh, everybody just else Just like does. everybody it's else it, You get an inch in the spine, more or less. So I guess wow. that's
1: not a hazard, that's just a, a reality. That's
3: just what happens, because gravity is keeping everything nice and. Compressed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. And that, and then that's not there, and it, and it grows. A so
2: space bit. is like being on a rack. <laughs> just like stretches you
3: out that's one way to look at it doesn't it feel good is the question it though. feels it feels a little bit funny at first like that first night as uh as fergie was describing you kind of feel like a little discomfort in the back mm-hmm. but nothing that bad and uh okay so th- th- are there any- by the next day you're feeling fine your body adapts all that stuff within a uh, day more or less
1: are there yeah. any positive health effects that you have any memory of joy joy <laughs>
3: happiness <laughs> you're a happy guy
1: yeah well, not all astronauts have been happy. and, and Yes, that's true. Really? Oh, uh, yeah,
3: like Lisa Nowak. Oh, but I remember I that she got the, back. Oh, my gosh. That didn't happen in space, though. Whoa, Bro, really? she, yeah, she was on the Earth when that happened. <laughs> oh, blame yeah. Earth. Oh, so, so Maybe that's gravity. what it is. It's gravity's fault. That's what it is. <laughs> she couldn't float around. She missed that extra height, and
1: next thing you know. Well, let me get back to these hazards in space. So you're going 17,000 miles an hour sideways, right. and there's got to be stuff in there that you might hit.
3: Yeah, it is, it, that is true. It,
1: there is. So the, the craft could get damaged. The, the yep. spaceship can get damaged. And so I, I was I chatted with your your, your brethren mm-hmm. on that very last shuttle mm-hmm. mission. If they could reflect on the, the dangers posed by these meteorites, Let's see what they had to say.
6: What we try to do is photo document the exterior of the space station for micrometeorite debris hits and then other just wellness of the station.
1: So because if it's an actual full-up meteorite, you wouldn't have to look hard.
6: No, (laughs) that would probably leave a dent or two, a couple scratches on the So how big is a micrometeorite? Very small. Sandy, in fact, took a lot of the pictures. Uh, I don't know whether we've seen
1: any results. Let me find out from Sandy. So you were running the camera while you were observing damage to the space station.
4: Yeah, we had a 400-millimeter lens and then an 80-200-millimeter to lens and just trying to map the station out as much as we want. But, you know, something as small as a dust particle can do some damage at 17,500 miles per hour. And so... That's typically what we see are those kind of small little hits. If you get something the size of a dime or a quarter, you're in bigger trouble.
1: And is there any repair mechanism? that you guys have available up there if the body of the, the craft is punctured?
4: Yeah, we have on the inside some stuff called duck seal that's sort of like modeling clay that you can put over, and there's a couple of...
1: Uh, all I can think of is the guy at the dike.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not far off, actually. And there's a couple of like small metallic seals, depending upon the geometry, you know what the curvature is that we may be able to affix it to. Now, I saw
1: a mission to Mars. They ran into a meteor stream, and the craft got punctured, and they had some kind of epoxy-looking goopy stuff that they put into the hole, and you you're describing something that's also kind of hole filling, but it's the same idea, I yeah. guess.
4: Yeah, you really just want to block the hole so that the air stays in where you need it. <laughs>
1: you so you guys more susceptible during a meteor shower?
4: Yeah, there can be. There's times where they look at the
5: possibilities of, especially when we do spacewalks. If we do spacewalks and there's a large chance of more damage, obviously you're more at risk when you're out in a spacewalk. So you want to
1: stay indoors when that happens?
5: So try to stay indoors before it starts, go out after it's over, you know, watch the show from the inside.
1: That's got to be fun, watching meteors yeah, below you. It I mean, is. That's got to be a little...
5: You can see them once in a while. They're going. It is a really strange sight seeing them underneath you going into the Earth. You're on top of
1: the shooting stars, basically. Right. And they're going by
5: us. We just can't see them, unfortunately. Well, at the point they're going
6: by you, yes, you can't see them. Right, but then they, they enter them. the atmosphere. They render
1: to glow. Say, that's did did someone
6: get a picture of one just recently? Yeah, yeah. yeah, a current station crew member who we got to spend some time with when we were there got a great picture of one, although I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's awesome. So, in fact, since they're not self-luminous, you can't see these as they go by you.
5: No. They're traveling very fast, too, so. You're probably lucky you can't see them. You can see what the damage they do when you're lucky. You can't see them. My ostrich here. Okay. <laughs> well, hey. Where is he sticking his head when danger comes? When you're out there, when you're out there doing a spacewalk, you can see evidence of them because the space station's got probably dozens or more of micrometeorite hits. You can see them on the handrails and you can see them in certain areas of space station. Before you do a spacewalk, they say, okay, watch out for here, 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 and here. And you're like, now how am I going to remember all that? But it is very dangerous when you got gloves on. If you come across one of these micrometeorite hits on the outside of the station, uh, you can cut your gloves
7: because it's no longer smooth at that point. Yep. Right. I have a real-world example. My first flight, we... Which was? Uh, uh, STS-115, and we didn't find this out, of course, until after we landed, but we had a uh, tenth-inch diameter hole the inside of the payload bay door, and uh, you would think that all these micrometeoroids are truly galactic in nature, and this, when they did a, a mass spectrometer analysis of the residue that was left, it was a part of a printed circuit board. Whoa. Whose circuit board was that? I would bet it had a Chinese signature on it. But that- <laughs> okay. that. <laughs> from the satellite that they took out a few there's, years ago? There's a lot of man-made generated orbital debris out there, and it's a real hazard, and it's something we really are going to have to keep a close eye on in the future. I thought that satellite was several hundred miles higher than you guys,
1: or is it just if you blow it apart, pieces go they're everywhere? All,
7: they're all in different orbits, and those orbits will generally cross a shuttle or space station orbit at one time.
1: That's okay, stuff. so you're an unwitting vacuum cleaner of space debris, given the cross section that the space station has to all of this.
7: That's one way to put it, yeah. <laughs> you just hope that the piece is too small. You know, we can detect large pieces, usually about 10 square centimeters in radar cross section. We'll track from the ground. And the space station is protected for anything that's less than about a centimeter. The space shuttle is a little more vulnerable, but that one to ten centimeters out there, that range is a little tough. Those are the station killers that are flying around out there.
1: Can the space station maneuver in ways that, like, fighter jets do to avoid...
4: They have an imaginary box of several hundred miles... Wait, a- don't say that NASA has anything imaginary. Okay? <laughs> Give me a different word <laughs> so than there, that. So there's a box they draw around to protect the space station. with. So a volume. A volume. Mm-hmm. So if it looks like something's coming into that volume, they can boost the station out of the way of the potential trajectory so there's a whole group that keeps track of those kind of things
1: so mike you've got some kind of spacewalk record were you ever hit by a micrometeoroid
3: no did you dodge them as they came by well you, you you try to avoid them put the shuttle in, a, in a, an orientation that you hope uh th- that it'll get hit before you do and keep your fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> yeah, great for your friends, right? Yeah, you guys take take it before I do. When we come back, more with Mike Massimino and Chuck Nice here on Star Talk Radio. You're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. With me, astronaut extraordinaire Mike Massimino. Two space shuttle missions, each of which in the service of the Hubble Space Telescope. The second of which was the last servicing mission. Star Talk Radio, you can find us on the web, startalkradio.net. On Facebook, just like us. Easy to find us, Star Talk Radio. Not only that, Star Talk Radio tweets. Did you know that? I did. Guess know that. what its Twitter handle is? Uh,
2: Star Talk, Talk Radio. Radio. <laughs> and
1: Mike, you're, you tweet as well. You're uh, Master Mike or something? Astro Mike.
3: Astro Mike. Astro Mike. Master Mike. How Master Mike. Master Mike. want you get away with that one? <laughs> My family would squash that immediately. <laughs> no, it's Astro Mike.
1: I tweet at Neil Tyson and, and Chuck, you're tweeting at... At Chuck Nice Comic. Chuck Chuck Nice Comic. We gotcha. Well, just before the break, we were talking about hazards in orbit. Things like micrometeoroids that are going thousands thousands of miles an hour and he can be very thanks for the sound effect yeah i'm chuck. sure they,
2: i'm sure it's space and they don't make any sound they don't make any sound i'm sure
1: chuck. they don't but that's what i imagine if need, they did make we the need sound. you to make the sound <laughs> <laughs> so chuck i'm trying to do a show here i'm sorry go ahead so 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 now we're, see i'm all distracted by meteor <laughs> meteorites making sound in the vacuum of space, of space. do it did, again chuck yes i'm totally there. <laughs> okay, so, sorry go ahead all right so uh in the news recently was this satellite that, that yeah. the the upper atmospheric research satellite NASA didn't couldn't control it it was going to fall out of the sky yeah. on its own usually there's a little bit of extra fuel left in a satellite so they can deorbit it yeah. and drop it in the great satellite toilet bowl of earth called (laughs) the the, the pacific (laughs) ocean (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is everybody landed there you know hubble's gonna land there the space station the day that comes out is landing in the toilet bowl but this one we couldn't control so it could have landed anywhere it turns out most of the earth is water most of that which is water is the pacific it in fact my understood from the news reports it did land in the pacific ocean yeah. but rather than exploded out of space the whole thing came down whole. so yeah. and it breaks up on reentering but then most, most of it most of it burns up and some pieces survive you can do like a scavenging mission at the bottom of the pacific if you're interested i suppose <laughs> but let me ask you what's the what's the future of astronauts in space how, how big is the astronaut core now
3: we're down uh, to about, uh, oh, about 60 or so. Uh, down astronauts. from what? At, what was it at its peak? I, you know, I think at the peak was a few years ago, it was, uh, was about 140 so, U.S. U.S. astronauts. Of course. Yes. And we have astronauts from around the world now, but that's the U.S. number.
1: Oh, you mean others who are in the NASA program who represent right, so other
3: countries. Right. You know, those from uh, Japan, uh, Europe. Because they don't have their own manned programs, but well, we do. Well, they, they do, but they, some it depends. Uh, the Japanese have been training with us as uh, in our astronaut classes. The Europeans have done that from time to time. They also have their own training center in Europe but we all kind of participate together all
1: right I just learned that NASA put out a new call for astronauts what what are yeah. the, what are they what
3: what are they gonna do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we so, help me with this question we need here. someone to get our space coffee made no <laughs> what, what's uh, going on there well we we still are sending people to space you know Dan Burbank is uh, going to be uh, launching into space in early November hopefully oh, they're, they're going on the on this, the Soyuz. This, you the, only you know, game in town right now for the next few years. no more shuttle is you fly as a as a crew member on the Soyuz to the space station for a six month stay, and that's what we're going to be doing for the next few years until we get another vehicle, another spaceship that we can fly on.
1: Now I've sat in the Soyuz in a mock up in Star City in Russia, uh-huh. and
3: it's not for big people. No, it's your, your, yeah. your knees are in your chest. Yeah, yeah. So you are you slated for this? Uh, I am eligible. I supposedly fit, although I think they turned their back when they took out the tape measure. Yeah, they're lying. They're lying. But uh, yeah, it would be a really snug fit. Uh, you gotta remember, it's primarily just to get you there and get you back, so mm. you're not stuck in there for a very long time. Plus,
1: in America, we prefer our comforts.
3: We prefer to- <laughs> our comforts. I like a big, right, I like a, you know, a, a bigger seat with extra leg room, but they don't have it over there. So
1: these, this new crop of astronauts, are they gonna be the right stuff, like the original ones in the 60s that we saw in the movie? Or is it, or is it like a, uh, uh is, is it a resort where you just say, oh, here, here's a book, learn how, learn what button to push, and that's
2: it? Astronauts uh- for dummies. <laughs>
3: You mean like me are they going to be like those cool guys or like me with the minivan yeah no I, I think you 'll probably have a mix of test pilots you 'll have a mix of uh scientists, engineers, medical doctors you know the the general the general mix of people is what they 'll get, and uh it 's more important of you know how they 're going to fit in how they can how they act as a crew member, and so on. Okay,
1: so these astronauts are not for some next stage of the American program. Well, They're hopefully
3: they will be, too. I mean, for the short term, it's going to be Soyuz going to space, but hopefully they will be for the next So the long stage
1: term is well. because Obama announced that there is this mission to Mars, which, will, of course, will happen well outside of his watch right yeah i mean right, yeah. it's That's for a president under a president to be named later right <laughs> we're going we'll to go tomorrow. his name on the plaque yeah, <laughs> yeah. well I, I asked space shuttle crew uh, sts 135 what they're going to do next because mm-hmm. you know, what's your encore after you fly the very last space shuttle mission all right let's find out what they told us uh, how many of you will be staying with the astronaut program going forward so far all of us uh, we don't have any
7: plans to go anywhere
1: And how many astronauts were there versus how many
7: will there be going forward? I think about six years ago we peaked at about 139, 140, right around there. I think right now we sit at about 60. You know, of course, when the space shuttle flew, you had six flights a year times six or seven people. You know, had 40, 50 people a year going. Now with the space station, we're down to really four a year. So the, the size of the office will drop off. I think we're about 60 right now, probably headed down, maybe ultimately about 45. I like
1: that. Was it Obama in one of his speeches who said, we left the flag on station for the first commercial crew to take it off?
6: Well, yeah, it, this came kind of close to our launch date where they came to us and said, hey, this is a flag that flew on STS-1.
1: Which, of course, STS-1 doesn't exist. That was Columbia, and Columbia broke up on entry. So this has special meaning, right?
6: Oh, you bet. I mean, tremendous meaning. So we took it with us, and, and the idea was is to leave it there, and then the next crew from a rocket launched from u.s. soil would bring it back and i think the president took it and ran with it at that point but and we hope that's obviously sooner rather than later because it's obviously very important for us to continue launching rockets from u.s. soil
1: all right that's what sts-135 crew is going to be up to now mm-hmm. that the, we're not flying the shuttle uh, it's curious. Many people are upset that we're not flying our own. We don't have our own access to space anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. Uh, I'm one of them. You're one of them. So uh-huh. we got the Soyuz, which is a really reliable vehicle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, it is pretty pretty reliable. It's been around for a long time. Is, is it is it reliable because it's a blunt instrument? It, it doesn't have very many moving parts, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's 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 like very practically designed, like many Russian hardware yes. is.
3: it's uh it's robust. You know, it, it's not as complicated. It doesn't have to land on a runway. It Doesn't need good weather to land like the shuttle did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, specialized to get you to low-Earth orbit and come home. And the Soyuz has been around since, like, the 60s. Yeah, it's they've improved it. They've had a couple different versions of it. but It's basically the same idea that they had back then.
2: Well, and- why don't we just build a Soyuz? This man's a genius. to <laughs> have we need, we need the space it, program. What's the problem? Uh, I don't
3: uh, see the problem. We, we can't handle the the, Ru- the Russian language displays. <laughs> it's a wacky language. We can't handle it in America. The Cyrillic alphabetic challenges. Yeah, us. we can't we can't do it. Now we, we are going to be hopefully building. Uh, there's some commercial companies and and NASA itself is uh, looking at building something. We'll get back to that in, in, in the next segment. Right. But,
1: but but with the Soyuz space with the Soyuz spacecraft, mm-hmm. it docks with the International Space Station like the. shuttle. Right, right. The difference is you're not hauling anything.
3: That is a very good. You're point. You're taking only people. Only people. So, well, a little bit of gear, but not very much.
1: So in the long term, it's these astronauts will are destined for Mars, I guess.
3: That is that is the hope.
1: Yeah, but yeah. so are they recruiting then middle schoolers? For
3: this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we, g- <laughs> we give them a little test when they're in uh, <laughs> when they're in preschool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, How about your kids, Chuck? Uh, Maybe.
2: Yeah. Hey, about the right age. Let's throw them on a merry-go-round, speed it up, and see yeah. if they barf. If they don't barf, if they they're,
1: don't, in. they're
3: in. They're in. Yeah, we're looking for kids that don't puke. Well, yeah. it's, it's
1: not only NASA in this game now. We've got commercial space coming up, commercial yeah. commercial space development. We've got Spaceship One. That space. who what's the guy who's uh, is that it, Richard Branson? No, uh, no. Bert, Bert, no, um, Bert, Bert Rutan. Uh, Bert Rutan. Yeah, Bert Rutan. And Richard Branson is with Virgin Galactic.
2: Galactic.
1: Where and he's selling seats too. Yes, he is. Two hundred grand. You got your seat? (laughs)
3: No way, man. Make sure that thing flies before I'm buying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm a little skeptical because so much of what they're selling are just these trips to you know sixty miles up where the atmosphere is thin enough so you can see the stars at night. So that's fun. So they call that space, but then they just fall right back down. They're not in orbit, and they want you to think that. First, we just go up and down. Next, we go into orbit. That's a completely
3: that's different. A big, that's a big yeah. difference. That's You're a right.
1: really big difference. Yeah. One of them, you need heat shields on re-entering. Yeah. The other one, you just
2: fall back
1: yeah. with some wings and a parachute.
2: Ah, oh, <coughs> sounds like a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it does. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, so I mean, I, I
1: applaud the effort because it reminds yeah. me of the old days right. when there were awards for uh, uh, for advances in aviation. You know, Lindbergh didn't just fly to be the first across the ocean. The man picked up some money for for having done that. And the Ansari X Prize is specifically conceived to stimulate entrepreneurship in your garage. So, Truck, are you, so, you, you going to go for
2: one of these? Well, the first thing I have to do is get a garage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, these garage stories, I <laughs> I always grew up in a city. It's like I could never be the garage guy. Exactly. Huh? <laughs> I'm here in New York. <laughs> no, that would kick me out. <laughs> now, Mike, you grew up. No. Where'd
2: you grow up,
3: Mike? Long Island. Did you have Franklin a garage? Square. Yes, we had a garage. He had a garage, ladies know, and did. gentlemen.
2: Eligible for the I'm sorry There you twice. go. Huh. You know, so this is Star Talk
1: Radio, and I've got Chuck Nice and Mike Massimino here, my favorite of all the astronauts <laughs> ever. We've got to take a quick break, but more Star Talk when we return.
8: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks?
1: This is StarTalk Radio. Welcome back. So one of my big issues with NASA, an issue is euphemism, Chuck, for what? Problem. Real problem with mm-hmm. NASA is they're telling you you're going into space, yet you're no farther above Earth's surface than the distance from New York to Boston. Yeah. Couple of hundred miles up.
3: It's in a tough direction to get to. It's it's
1: a tough direction, but that for me, that's not going places. Right. That's boldly going where hundreds have gone before. (laughs) So what I really want to know is the energy that, or the urge that any of us have to leave low Earth orbit and go to Mars. Let me get to my last clip with STS-135, the crew, the last ones to fly the shuttle, and I just want to get a sense of them, of, of their, their, their feelings for being in low earth orbit Mm -hmm. and how soon they want to get out let's check it out
7: well i watched neil armstrong walk on the moon when i was a seven year old and i thought it was the neatest thing in the world that's how i got involved in all this you know at at an early age you never admitted it to many people you wanted to be an astronaut because everybody knows what happens when you say you want to be an astronaut they tease you but i wanted to do it but when the space shuttle came along i was happy to do that that's work too yeah Yeah. about you
4: Oh, yeah. Actually, I had dreams of going to Mars when I was younger. I think that'd be kind of fun to go step on another planet and be part of that group. But as I entered the Corps, I realized I was probably not yet quite of the right generation. that will be another generation behind that does that.
1: Everything was written in the 60s. Oh, we're on the moon in 1969? Mars by 1985.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, didn't quite work out that yeah, way. Yeah,
1: it seems to be a mismatch between dreams, politics, and money.
5: Yeah, it's a hard thing because the space program by its nature depends on multi-year funding and multi-year plans and programs. And uh, I understand why we went to the shuttle and built the space station. We're getting great results from the space station. And the shuttle's now being retired, but now it's time to take those steps beyond low-Earth orbit. We'll continue operating the space station for another 10 years, get some great science done there, but let's keep exploring, and it's time to go.
7: So when, if ever, do you think humans will walk on Mars? Like
5: 2035,
4: 2036.
7: Always 25 years from whatever the current day is.
4: So that's never. (laughs) That's a sneaky way to say never, okay?
1: No,
7: no, no. no. uh, Sandy's right. 25, 30 years. If we committed. In 2035. Yeah. Okay. How about you?
5: 2037. Is this The Price is Right? (laughs) <laughs> you can come in under. I and know, don't go, go 2038
6: <laughs> on me now. I'll do it. No, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, it's a long process. The good thing about it is we're learning so much on Space Station about how to survive for two and a half years, which is a typical mission template. And that's an awful long time to be gone from home. And it's an awful long time for your body to be subjected to all those different things, radiation microgravity, all those different things. What we're learning today on Space Station is going to make those missions successful, and sooner is better than later, but it's a huge investment, it's a huge commitment. I'm still waiting for a date. 2038.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Box me in. Can I change my answer? I'm now 2039, okay?
1: So, Mike... You know, I got four astronauts, the last ones on the shuttle, saying we're not going to be on Mars until the middle 2030s. Oh. Mm. Are you, you, you're with that? You think that's what's that's, real?
3: That's probably, uh, probably realistic, but I, I would hope we get there a little bit sooner. One of
1: my concerns is that in President Obama's speech where he talked about the next phase of space exploration, mm-hmm. phasing out the shuttle, which was put into play by Bush. But right. people forget that. But yeah, Bush, no, it was. Bush right. said, let's phase out the shuttle, but right. phase
2: in the next thing. Yeah. And right. the next thing is supposedly going to be. On Mars, it's, but,
1: but it included under the Bush plan a, a trip to the moon, yeah. to remind ourselves, among other reasons, that we can still leave low Earth orbit. Right. Obama said, "Hey, we've been to the moon, done let's, that, been there, done that. Old let's hat. go to let's go to Mars." But I worry if yeah. the next time we leave low Earth orbit, it's a three year mission to yeah. Mars. I'm, I don't trust us that uh, we can
3: uh, figure out how to do that. It's a long way away. It's like you know when you those, when you send your kids out on their bicycle for the first time by themselves, you don't say. Uh, you know, go, go, go to week. El Paso <laughs> right you know, saying, you know, go around a corner to grandma or whatever and, right. or go to the store and come back you know and that's kind of, you know the the moon I think actually my I think it's one of the reasons it's there. I know you probably have a scientific reason, but I think one of the reasons it's there it's 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 supposedly I think our playground no, and I think it'd be nice for us to go there a short little distance There's a famous quote in the go. space
1: community circles they say yeah. if God wanted us to have a space program, he would have given us a moon. Ooh. Hmm.
2: I don't understand that. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, I just said, "Ooh." I I was, I, you don't get it either. I have no idea. Yeah, what it's, that means. it's deep.
1: It's deeper than <laughs> your, your normal yeah, thinking. Yeah. You, you got to think that one through. Yeah. Uh,
3: so he did give us a moon. <laughs> Therefore, yeah. we, is, should we should have a space. Have space there on.
1: is the. Uh, therein lies the answer. There it is. Yeah. There it is. So this new vehicle that's supposed to be able to get us out of low Earth orbit with strap-ons mm-hmm. is they were supposed to be testing that in the tw- early 2020s right and so excuse me uh, as a comedian when you say strap-ons so, my mind sorry. goes to a whole nother place <laughs> you know
2: so could you just take a moment and explain to me what the hell strap-ons sorry. are because right now i can't tell you what is happening in my head <laughs> strap-ons i want
3: to hear what he has to say
2: all about right this. so so what we
1: have here is there's the main space vehicle right with its rocket motors okay all right Typically, that's liquid fuel. Right. All right? It might be hydrogen and oxygen, which was just water when it recombines. Right. But the act of recombining is hugely exothermic. It releases energy like it's nobody's business. Okay. With the, with the exhaust product being simply H2O. So we got a solid fuel rocket. Th- th- no, so that's the liquid. That's the liquid fuel So rocket. that'll get you – so now – you want a little extra boost to get off Earth's surface, so you strap on the requisite number of solid rocket boosters. This is the okay. Space Shuttle had two of those. Two, they call SRBs. Oh, now that's a naughty shuttle. Isn't it? <laughs> it's two strap-ons. <laughs> And so, there's a whole controversy about whether the new ship should have the strap-ons or not. Okay. Congress got in, and I, I'm, I'm agnostic with regard to what's gonna get you off Earth's surface. Okay. Just get me the hell Just off, off Earth's surface. get off the surface, and then we're good. The good, th- the, 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 the flexibility about the strap-ons is that if you wanna go farther, you put on a few more. That's exactly what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck! <laughs> Chuck! <laughs> So, so, Mike, how old are you going to be in 2035? Are you going to be old?
3: Oh, I didn't know there was going to be any math involved here. <laughs> I will be in, 30, in 2035. I'll be uh, 62, I guess. 62. Yeah. Well,
1: they've gone up older than that. You yeah. Know, John Glenn yeah. went up. And he came back. That, that man had the right stuff. Yeah, he you know. sure did. What was he, like 90 when they, 102 when they sent him up? Uh, he, he was, he was like 80, he, I think.
3: But, but, he was, yeah, he was, he was, he was an old, 78, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, that was good. He was it's, a tough guy, though. He's a Marine. <laughs> nice guy.
1: Oh, yeah, Marine. Yeah. yeah, and you're, you're just an
3: engineer. I'm just an engineer, man. I don't know what, how, <laughs> what I'll be doing at that age. <laughs> what I'd
1: like to also is send astronauts to an asteroid. One of these might have our name on it, uh-huh. and I want to know, characterize them so I can deflect them Out of Our Way. I love that. I think I saw that movie. Oh! I love it, though. Calling Bruce Willis. (laughs) We've got to wrap up the show, but of course I want to thank my guests. And as always, I want to bid you to keep looking up.
8: Pulling up to Mickey D's Just for Drinks?